0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Coop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada. What are some letters, or what are some things that we can learn from this story today? Again, as you heard, Onesimus is a runaway slave. He probably stole from his master when he left. He goes to the biggest metropolitan area of that time. It's about 60 A.D., and he kind of loses himself in Rome, and he's got enough money Whatever he stole from his master, maybe be pawned it, sold it off. He's got enough that he can survive there in the city, and he's running. He wants to be free. One of the first things we can learn is that uh, no matter where you run to, no matter what you're running from, God's love is able to reach you. You might be running from something this morning. Maybe you ended up in the west end of Vancouver and you're running from something. That's not too uncommon. We run into quite a few people that, are fleeing from something and i'm just going to lose myself in the heart of vancouver nobody's going to find me i'm going to hide out there and i'm going to get lost in this dense populated area of canada and nobody's going to find me god's got an incredible way of finding us no matter what we're running from or where we're running to somehow god can find us and can show up there we had baptism last night what a great time we had We had a number of baptismal candidates, and uh, they were sharing how God impacted their life. One story, they're all great. One stood out to me was one of the fellows was on his way to Mexico, had come to Vancouver, and he wanted to live here. had to take care of some immigration matters, so he was on his way back to Mexico sitting on the plane, and they'd come to just dive into Vancouver. But on the way back, he's sitting beside this lady on the plane, and just out of curiosity, just, you know, ask her what she's reading. She says, I'm reading this book. And he says, What's it about? It's a Christian book. And so she ends up telling him about coastal church. She says, I go to this church, coastal church. You should go to if you're interested in this, go to coastal church. She goes, Okay. And she says, I'll say a prayer for you. So she says a prayer for him, encourages him to go to coastal church. He comes back and says to his wife, Well, let's go check this thing out. <laughs> so they, they said, We went to church once a year. That was our duty, church once a year, but we came here and uh, they discovered christ god found them in the heart of the city and he did it through a conversation on the plane he said we're still trying to find that lady from coastal church who was on the plane but we have not found her yet and they've been coming since summer so hopefully they run into her but maybe it was an angel we don't know but at any rate god finds us even when we're on the run or running from something Onesimus was running but god was able to find him we read here in first timothy verses chapter one verse 15 and 16 Put it in your notes there for you. Paul writing to Timothy he said, This is a true saying, and everyone should believe it. Everyone's everybody. So would you look at your neighbor and say, Everybody should believe this? <laughs> so that's for everybody here. We should believe it. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Now Paul says, and I was the worst of them all. Why was Paul the worst of them? Well he said, because I went around, I went around killing Christians, so that's why I'm the worst of all of them. But, thank God for the buts in the Bible, but that is why God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. God's got a lot of patience with us. I know he's had a lot of patience with me, and no doubt he's had a lot of patience with you. He had a lot of patience with Onesimus, had a lot of patience with Paul. Thank God for his patience. Then he went on to say, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and have and receive eternal life. So God is willing to reach us, no matter what we're running from, no matter where we're running to, God's able to find us and reach us with His love. It's amazing when He finds us. Sometimes we got stuff that we're hiding, trying to cover up. God can bring it to the surface, and He can help us deal with it. There was this guy by the name of John, and he invited his mother over for dinner. And he had a roommate that lived with him. And his mom came over for dinner, and he and his roommate had made a very, very, very nice dinner for them set out the best plates that he had and all the rest of it and his his roommate happened to be a woman and his mom was always a little bit suspicious about this but when she came in and saw that his roommate was drop dead gorgeous she was even more suspicious she said okay this is just something's going on here but anyhow she minds her manners and she has this wonderful meal with them and uh but she's thinking all the time there's more to this than just a roommate and so John reads his mom's mind Knowing what she's thinking, he says, I know what you're thinking, mom, but I just want to assure you, Julie and I, we are just roommates. So about a week later, Julie comes up to John and she says, John, you know what? Ever since your mom came over for dinner, we haven't been able to find this, that beautiful silver gravy ladle. Have you seen that? But since your mom was here, we haven't been able to find that. He Well, I don't think she took it, but I'll fire off an email just, just in case. So he wrote an email. Here's what his email said. Mom, I'm not saying you did take a gravy ladle from my house, and I'm not saying you did not take a gravy ladle, but the fact remains that one has been missing ever since you were here for dinner. Love, John. So his mom fires back an email. Dear son, I'm not saying that you do sleep with Julie, and I'm not saying that you do not sleep with Julie, but the fact remains that if she was sleeping in her own bed, she would have found the gravy ladle by now. Love, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) there's some free advice for all you mums when you go visit your sons (laughs) hopefully you don't have to use that tactic (laughs) so god is god's able to find out the stuff in our life and he reaches us no matter where we are the second point you want to learn is god's love changes us from being useless to useful philemon's name means profitable you saw that in the little bio it means useful but he wasn't a lot of use to Philemon. He he ran away from his master, he stole from his master, and he undoubtedly left his master in a predicament. He would have counted on him to do certain duties, certain chores. He ran an operation. Philemon was a very wealthy merchant. He was on the trade route that Rome had set up. He was in a city called Colossae. He had a big house. It was big enough to invite a church to come over. No doubt had a big courtyard, had servants and all the rest of it. A slave at that time was worth 500 days wages. And I don't know what you make a day, but let's just say it's $100. So he was worth potentially $50,000. It cost a lot to replace him. And he had stolen on the way. So there was a major inconvenience. The letter of Philemon is written to a person who's been hurt, who's been offended. Of course, in our day and age, it's hard to understand the whole culture and the whole world of slavery, and thank goodness we don't understand it. This letter, Paul doesn't come out and say slavery is wrong. He's been criticized for not doing that, but he does, in between the lines, make it very clear that we're not to treat people as slaves, but rather as brothers, and Paul's writings in particular... Help sow the seeds of an insurrection against slavery and would help propel a movement to get rid of slavery. And we're thankful for that. Philemon chapter 1, verse 10, 11 says, My plea is that you show kindness to Onesimus. Now remember, he's been hurt by him. He's been robbed by this guy. He's, he's a criminal today. He's a thief today. If you, it was a dangerous thing to run away to escape as a slave in the Roman uh, roman empire you, there was a price on your head and you, like we heard in the interview you're never really free even though you're on the run and have some money he's i think of him as my own son because he became a believer as a result of my ministry here in prison another translation said he is begotten really he said he's born he was already born physically but he's been born again he's become a believer while i've been here under house arrest we know from the end of the book of acts that Paul had visitors come and go to visit him. He's not in a cell somewhere locked down in a dungeon. He's under house arrest. He can have visitors come and go. He's able to write some letters while he's in jail. And during this time, we don't know how, but Onesimus shows up, visits him. Paul ends up sharing with him. No doubt they talked about Philemon. And Onesimus becomes a Christian. And he starts to become very valuable to Paul. Most think he started to do errands for Paul and became a a source of help and encouragement for him. Paul's older by this time. Paul's about sixty. He probably looks like he's eighty because of what he went through. He's suffered a lot of stuff over the years. He's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's he's gone through a lot of stuff. He's he's feeling a lot older than he is. So to have a young guy with a servant's heart, just willing to do whatever to help you, he was a real blessing to Paul in prison. So he says, I think of him as my own son because he's become a believer as a result of my ministry here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much of use to you in the past. His name was useful, he should have been, but now he's very useful to both of us. So he gets a strong endorsement from Paul there. Now, this is what God does for our lives. When when he comes into our life, there's a change that should take place. That we go from being unprofitable to profitable. That we say, My life's changed. I'm gonna do things differently. Now we're probably not like Onesimus, we're not running away, we're not necessarily criminals. But nonetheless, there is a change that takes place in our lives where we say, I'm going to do things differently because the change is on inside. There's an inside change that took place in our hearts. There's a major change that took place in Onesimus's heart. Thirdly, God loves, God loves. loves. God's love gives us a new identity as a child of God. He gets a new identity, a radical change for this guy named Onesimus. He, he goes from being a slave, To a brother. And not just any brother. It says he's a beloved brother. That's a big deal. A beloved brother. Remember last week we interviewed Mary Magdalene. After Mary Magdalene meets Jesus at the tomb. Or just outside the tomb. The tomb's empty. Jesus is raised from the dead. She meets Jesus. And he says one word. Mary. And the warmth of that word. Her name. Just impacts Mary and then she recognized him not to be the gardener but to be her savior and she goes to give him a hug and Jesus says to Mary Mary I haven't yet ascended to the father but not just not just my father but your father my God and your God right away so first thing our Lord does for Mary is he reassures her of her identity the greatest truth we can have really as I think as Christians is that we are a new person that we have a new identity we have become a child of God And when we recognize who we are, when that change takes place, we want to live differently. Onesimus had that change take place in his life, and he wanted to live differently. He recognized that he was a child of God. Think about Jesus when he was water baptized. If you remember the story, he was baptized by John the Baptist, his cousin. And after his baptism, a dove comes down representing the Holy Spirit. And a voice from heaven says, now God could have said a lot of stuff. He could have said, way to go, John the Baptist. Good job. He could have said, hey, disciples, good for you to hang out here and and follow Jesus. He could have said, Jesus, a, a lot of things. But what does God say? He said, this is what? My beloved son. What does Jesus say to Mary? You are a daughter. What does... Onesimus get from Paul you are my beloved son what's the big deal what's the big idea is that when we come to God when we give him our life we become adopted into the family of God and we get his name we get his identity and so Onesimus goes back to the place that he was a slave with a new identity a new passport a new name he goes back as a brother to Philemon a brother to Paul A sister to Philemon's wife. He goes back as part of the family. It's hard for us to imagine the change that took place in Onesimus. I think the guys did a good job on the drama trying to give some life to that and bring it off the pages and take the stained glass off of it that this was a real life radically changed. Think of Let's say you had a company and you have an employee. And uh, one day your, your employee's been with you for a number of years. You really depend upon this guy. And then one day he takes off, and when he takes off from your company, he heads out of town, and he steals half a million dollars from your company, and he steals the car along the way, and he heads off, and he's lost in New York somewhere. He goes and hides there, and he's spending the money he got. He's on the run. He stole from you. He's in another country. And then over there, he finds Christ, and he calls you up and says, I'm coming home. You'd have to really deal with that this is Philemon. He's got to process this. Okay, this guy stole from me. He, and Paul's challenging him. If you read the letter, and I encourage you to do that on your own, read the letter. It's really exciting. It'll make you jump up and down. It's so <laughs> exciting. And so, yeah. Uh, where was I? I am in uh, number four. Yes. Uh, oh, we didn't do John 1, 12 and 13. Let's do that. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. This is not a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan. This rebirth comes from God. And so this, this rebirth happened to Onesimus, a new identity, and he's going back to uh, Colossae to meet Philemon. Number four, uh, we, have, we are to make restitution. Now, we have to add something to this insofar as humanly possible, Onesimus as a changed person it's up to him to make restitution and we can't always make restitution we should you know if you if you owe some money you should pay it back if you borrowed something and haven't returned it you should re- return what you borrowed if you offended somebody you should go make it right well i'm just waiting for them to come around when they come around then i'll i'll do it well, Like we heard Onesimus say, you have to take the initiative to make it right. We have there Matthew 5, 23 and 24. This is Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember there that another believer has something against you, somebody's got something against you, leave your gift at the altar. First, go away and make peace with that person. Then come back and offer your gift. In other words, take the initiative to get things right. Take the initiative to make restitution. Sometimes this is important to say: you can't do that. The greater the offense, the harder it is to make it right. For example, let's say you dated a boyfriend, or you had a a girlfriend, and you, you, when you were dating, something happened, and maybe the way you broke up with that girlfriend was really bad. I mean, you, you, you didn't break up good at all, and, and you, and you hurt her, and now she's remarried, and she's got a husband, she's got some kids. And You become a Christian you think oh man, when I look back. I was a real jerk Why did I treat her like that? I I can't believe the words that I said or what I did. I was that was terrible I think I better go make it up to her And you go knock on your door and the husband comes to the door awkward That's a real awkward moment for everybody for him and for you See you can't there's an innocent party involved that that husband is innocent the kids are innocent you can't so there's sometimes you can't make restitution Make amends as long as it doesn't hurt an innocent person. Sometimes you can't make amends. Sometimes you simply have to pray, forgive that person, trust that they'll forgive you, move on. But whenever possible, the Bible says, be at peace with all men. Sometimes you can't make restitution. But as much as possible, we make restitution. In this case, Onesimus could make restitution. He went back to face uh, what was there waiting for him. And then number five, uh, we are to accept and receive those who've been changed by Jesus Christ. Tall order for Philemon. Easy for us to read. I think harder for him to do. He has a slave coming back to him. And he is supposed to forgive him. And not treat him like a slave. But treat him like a son. Paul asks Philemon to receive a slave. who was likely a lawless thief. Just as he would receive himself. Most people would not even want to be in the company of a slave. Or a thief. Much less to be known as a partner. Or a brother to one. It's tall order for him. Now. He says in Philemon 1:12 and 13, I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might, be, he might minister to me, my change for the gospel. Paul saying, I'm sending him back. Really, I wish I could keep him, but it's the right thing to do. I respect the fact that you own him. I'm not putting any, you don't have to. I'm not commanding you to, but I'm hoping that you volunteer to let him go. Later on in the letter, Paul says to him, and by the way, Philemon, I'm going to come visit you. Would you get a room ready for me? I'm going to come visit you. He also writes a letter to Philemon and to the church. So this letter got read to the entire church. No pressure, Philemon. Uh, Everybody knows about it. And uh, secondly, I'm coming to visit you sometime. So there's no pressure, but we are encouraging you to to, uh, redeem this uh, slave when he comes. Forgiveness is a big part of our Christian life. We heard that in the little interview here with Onesimus, and that was his closing thought, the power of forgiveness. When we forgive somebody, we give up our right to get back. Philemon gave up his right to get back at Onesimus. Uh, When we forgive somebody, we're not minimizing what they did. Sometimes in quote-unquote Christian forgiveness, we say somebody asks for forgiveness, and we say, oh, that's okay, no big deal, it doesn't really matter, it's okay. No, it is a big deal. No, it did hurt. You don't have to minimize the hurt. Doesn't mean we don't forgive, but we have to be honest about it. We're still processing it, but we do have to forgive, even though, and we don't minimize it. And it doesn't mean that you have to have somebody say you're sorry first. Well, I'll forgive them if they say they're sorry first. You better be on your knees and crying. I want godly sorrow. I don't want, you better be weeping and crying and just begging for forgiveness. Then I might, I might forgive you. No, you see, it doesn't have to be preceded by that. Forgiveness is first for you. You forgive that individual even before they say they're sorry. We need to forgive them because forgiveness is more for you really than it is for that other person. What you don't want is this root of bitterness, this root of hatred to get lodged within you. Because what is eating you is worse for your health than what you eat. You know, we're pretty good in Vancouver and BC about making sure we stay fit, having our exercise, get that, you know, walk around the seawall or get down to the gym. And, and we're pretty good about what we eat. We're making sure, we, you know, we get the right amount of protein and the right amount of, you know, carbs. And we, we think about it a lot. We think about what we eat and our exercise quite a bit. Cheryl's grandmother's about to turn a hundred, and uh if you took her diet, you know, it would uh freak most nutritionists out. <laughs> I mean, she's probably got way too much cream and uh way too much milk, way too m- and not the right balance. But she's a hundred, just to be about a hundred, she's a specimen of health. I don't know I don't know if she's ever been to a gym in her life. She's <laughs> But she's healthy, her mind is sharp, and she still lives on her own in her own house, and she's taking care of herself. You ask her, what's what's the secret? What, What do you do to live long and live healthy? And she would tell you, it's forgiving others and loving others. And trust me, she's gone through, like every one of us, a lot of junk and stuff in her family, in her community. She had a lot of forgiveness she had to give out. And she just refused to harbor it. She would deal with it. She just go talk to family members. Hey, what's going on? Let's get this out on the table. Let's talk about it. Let's move on. Not just for their sake, but for her sake, to keep herself healthy. You let that root of bitterness get in you, and it is just a matter of time before your body breaks down. And you get some uncurable sick disease. And this is not, this medical science will prove that out to you. Carl Menninger talked about it years ago, the importance of letting go, forgiving, loving others. It's so critical for our health, not just for promoting family unity in our homes and in our church. It's also for us physically, it's important. In forgiveness, sometimes you also have to forgive ourselves. Sometimes that's the most challenging thing to do. I can forgive that person. I can receive God's forgiveness, but I'm so embarrassed. I was so dumb. What I did was so stupid. I can't forgive myself. Well... Jesus said to love others the way you love yourself. Sometimes you have to say, I'm going to forgive myself for what I did. I'm going to receive Christ's forgiveness. When you import his forgiveness, when Onesimus imported that forgiveness, when he downloaded God's forgiveness into his heart, he now had the ability to forgive other people and to receive forgiveness. Uh, A couple other verses here. Uh, John 13, 34 and 35. So a new... I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. It's a commandment, not an option. By the way, forgiveness is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Loving others isn't a suggestion. This is a commandment for us. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Man, the Lord forgave us of so much. Your love for one another will provide, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When we read Philemon, we actually are a lot like Onesimus. One, we get an undeserved substitute through Christ. Two, we have an unpayable debt. There's no way he could pay off his debt. And three, we have an unbelievable payment. Philemon made an unbelievable payment. It was a payment of grace and mercy. And this is what Christ has done for us. And so we should accept others who have gone through great changes. Let me say this in closing as well. It's an important point we have to add in here because Philemon accepts back Onesimus, And I think what what made it easier for Philemon was the fact that he got a reference letter. I think it would have been difficult for the slave who came back, who was a thief, to receive him. But Paul had watched his character, and he writes a letter of recommendation. That letter of recommendation goes a long way in receiving other people. Onesimus had his role to play. He had to be a man of character. He lived this thing out. He proved his worth. And Paul vouched for him. So Philemon was much easier for him to accept him, which is important. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop, then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.